Hey, Chuck, how are you doing today? I am great, John. Chuck Taylor is the Executive Vice President, Financial Crimes Advisory here at AML Right Source, uh, former BSA AML officer and an active uh, participant with the Midsize Bank Coalition. And we thought it would make a lot of sense to have a quick response to uh, a piece that appeared over the weekend in the New York Times uh, that the AML community has been reacting to in various fora. And the article was why banks are, su are suddenly closing down customer accounts. You know, the whole issue of de-risking financial access, financial inclusion. And, you know, one of the things that struck me is uh, that Chuck and I uh, needed to go back to some of our clients, some uh, AML veterans, and of course our own experiences, and, and talk a bit about what the article is attempting, uh, the premise that they're attempting, and why it is clearly uh, not as uh, you know straightforward as they make it out to be. So just in general, I'll, I'll set it up this way, Chuck. Um, they used a couple of examples of individuals, either small business people or others that have had accounts closed for various reasons. But part of what you get, you take away from the article is, is that this is all algorithm-based uh, when, when a certain amount of information appears uh, based on however the institution is looking at their risk tolerance, the account gets automatically closed. And it's a lot more complicated than that. So what did you hear from both of your own experiences and for some of the uh, folks that I know you chatted with in the past couple of days? Yeah, thanks for inviting me to this. I think it's a uh, kind of a fun topic. And, and I, I, I disagree with suddenly in the title. I mean, right. this this type of thing has been going on as long as I've been involved in, in AML compliance and such. There are absolutely good reasons to close accounts. Um, you know, many times it's very obvious there's financial crime being facilitated through the account. Sometimes there's suspicion of that. Um, but it, there are very valid reasons to close accounts. And I think the article is attempting to, you know, it feels a little clickbaity to me, the way that they're representing um, the way that banks are shutting down these accounts. And it's it's definitely one-sided. The thing I would say first is, you know, banks like to have accounts. They like to make money. They like to be charging fees, all that type of thing. And so the premise that banks willy-nilly will close out down accounts based on an alert out of some monitoring system, I think is unreasonable. It just doesn't happen that way. In my experience, and, and based on the feedback that I got from, from folks when I asked these questions, is there definitely are alerts that come out of monitoring systems that identify potential suspicious activity that could indicate financial crime. Right. But those are all investigated by a human that uh, takes the time and the effort to investigate whether that activity makes sense for that customer, whether there are other you know, indicia of financial crime, they're doing searches on the customer to see if there's negative media around them, that type of thing. And banks like like to keep accounts. <laughs> they like to keep making that money. And they they want to make sure that they're investigating these things before they're closing it. And especially in the midsize area, there are dedicated teams doing this and making sure that they're making decisions based on all the facts before they're closing out accounts. You know, so a couple of things in the article that struck me as, as you say, clickbait, totally agree. The, the writers are, are very pleased with themselves. They say banks are evicting what appears to be an increasing number of individuals, families and small business owners, and then often 
They don't have the faintest idea why their banks are turned against them. Well, later in the story, they talk about uh, an account that was closed because of attempted structuring that appeared from the information uh, from CTRs and, and, and looking at the account. It was a, it was a bar, I believe. So, and, and the individual uh, that uh, was quoted in the, in the article said, you know, why would we not, why would we file, we, we filled out, we, we've had our names on CTRs before. And so why would we try to come under the, under the uh, threshold? So they know why the bank said you're gone. So that's number one. Another person in the thing was actually convicted of a felony, even though he explained that he made that clear to the institution you know, sort, sort of transactional activity would lead any investigator to believe either it needs more follow-up or potentially let's exit exit the account. So I thought that that was playing sort of fast and loose. And then the bottom line on, on notification, and frankly, I ran into this when we worked with our partners in the humanitarian world who obviously are really struggling to keep, to have accounts kept open, especially when monies uh, are designed to go help with, you know, medical supplies and utilities and that sort of thing in conflict zones. And they would say, you've closed our accounts, but you don't tell us why. And we explained, we, you know, the AML community, that uh, a major part of the reason is if the institution has filed a suspicious activity report, we can't tip off a customer that that's potentially why. So we're not permitted to say anything else in, in a letter closing the account other than the account is closed uh, or it doesn't fit our business model. So I thought that also was something that the reporters sort of skated over. Agreed. And it's been my experience that sometimes those letters are descriptive. Sometimes they will say, based on the activity flowing through the account, um, it doesn't meet the the information that you provided us you know something along those lines right there are instances though as you alluded to where there's going to be a letter that just says you know based on our right to close your account at any time we're doing so but i, I think the the issue is in 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 many institutions there's a very robust uh request for information process where somebody who's reviewing an account and seeing anomalous activity will reach out to the relationship manager for that account and have the relationship manager or the investigator will reach out directly to the customer and ask questions and say, you know, hey, why are you depositing cash in this manner? Um, you know, taking the, the example of the bar that's represented in the article, um, in many instances, banks will reach out and say, hey, it appears that you are structuring your cash transactions. And they even provide a document that FinCEN puts out that says, you know, this is what structuring is and please avoid it. And there's nothing in the in the regulations that say um, you can't help somebody stop structuring. You just can't help them structure as a financial right. institution. So, in in many instance, instances, I think uh, banks will reach out and say, "Hey, it appears you're structuring." The customer will stop, and or they will update the information in the file that says, "Hey, this is a bar. It's reasonable for them to be depositing cash. Um, they're doing it on a, a regular basis, and we don't need to keep investigating this because it makes sense for the customer." So. There are many ways to get around that type of thing. And uh, banks sometimes file SARS and keep the account. So it's not always, sure, right. it's not always you know, a, 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 the end of an account relationship if, if a SARS filed. Now, as we both know, some of our clients and some of our friends uh, gave us their, their take on the story and one that's sort of very straightforward and, and one that I know gets ignored. 
And that is that the article ignores the government's role. The government is both the regulatory side of that and just the policy side um, that, the, you know, regulators will many, many times say or examiners will say to um, compliance officers, why is this account still open? Well, uh, it's high risk, but we think we can manage it. Is that really true? So they will they, they will never force you to close an account, but it does happen. It's implied quite a bit. That's part of it. And then the other part of it, frankly, is, uh, and, and you alluded to this, so, sometimes it's, it's not worth either the cost, the time, or the resources to maintain the relationship. You know, that sounds cold, but think about it. You have, you know, hundreds of thousands of accounts, you know, more than that, if you're a large institution, you obviously want to maintain relationships where you can, but if you're getting regulatory scrutiny that you can't mitigate, or there's a disagreement in the way you're overseeing those accounts, sometimes you have no choice. Uh, you have to get out of the relationship uh, because at the end of the day, like you say, institutions are in it to make revenue. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They're not a utility. Uh, so I think that's more than a tad unfair. It's incomplete, right? Agreed. And when I was a BSA officer and reviewing this type of situation and deciding either to file a SAR or not, or to close an account or not, uh, the thought in my head many times was, do I want to defend this to a regulator? Um, and so the easy way out many times is filing the SAR and closing the account because you don't want to have to defend that to a regulator. The harder decision is to either not file a SAR and then defend that or file a SAR and keep the customer. So that's always in the back of the, the minds of the folks that are doing this. And it, it's absolutely right that the role of the government in this, I think, is, is, is absent from the article and needs to be talked about. Um, you know, when regulators come in, they ask for a list of the SARs you filed, the high-risk customers that you have, all that type of thing. And they do a sample and they review and they ask questions and you get into that room defending things. And so it's really important um, that you, you understand your risk tolerance and accounts you're going to keep and all that type of thing. So it's great that you're highlighting that because I think it should be highlighted in the article. You know, and, and one of our uh, clients mentioned the following, that the article doesn't include the sort of the counter of this. And that is when banks have actually missed red flags or failed to close an account and they obviously get more than just criticized in the media, but regulatory criticism. You think about Epstein and Madoff and those sorts of things. So the institutions, you know, they have to make these uh, sometimes tough calls. Sometimes it may seem that it's an easy call to make, but a lot of times you're, you're judged on what happened years from now, not in real time. So that's right. also part of it. So as, as you say, you can go to the mat and argue for a client you got to argue, you know, to the business line, maybe even to the board or what have you. And is it is it worth it? Is maybe the wrong phrase, but you have to make a risk based decision. And and I, you know, what, what also the other reason we wanted to do this quick hit, and I'll, I'll get you out of here on the last point, um, is at the end of the article, the reporters are asking for more examples. So they're going to continue to follow this, and I would argue they're only looking at one side. Even though they did mention SARS, they did mention regulatory oversight, but briefly, not really in any detail. And they use some examples that sound, you know, heartbreaking. But if you drill down, what's the other side of this? You know, a marijuana business, 
somebody who has had, had a felony conviction in their background, a bar that's just paying everybody in cash. I mean, there's a lot of things in there you want to unpack, frankly. But I, I think because of that, we have to stay on top of this and get our regulatory partners to weigh in. They've been hesitant to say that they're part of the problem. You know, They'll put it all on the financial institution saying we're de-risking wholesale categories of customers, which isn't true. You know, so, uh, so what do we do going forward in terms of sort of the policy debate on this, Chuck? What would you recommend? Yeah, uh, the, anything they highlight going forward is going to be similar types of issues, right? Where it, it appears that there wasn't any investigation or the customer was, uh, had their account closed for um, unreasonable reasons. Uh, they're not going to come back and say, oh, here's some really good examples of accounts that were closed for great reasons. <laughs> that just doesn't serve their purposes. So um, I think you hit it on the head. We just need to continue the conversation, work with our regulatory partners, keep getting information out there like this that is either counter or explains the process, and just make sure that the public understands it um, so that there isn't this impression that the banks are closing the accounts either wholesale based on certain types or just kind of willy-nilly. There's lots of investigation, lots of really smart people um, doing this type of thing and making sure that they're keeping accounts when they can and closing them when they should. So Chuck, what this tells me is that we at RightSource in 2024 should do an extended discussion conversation uh, on uh, de-risking. We've done it before. We've done it, like I said, focusing on charities, humanitarian, but just maybe just something that talks about the practical strategies around uh, risk decisioning. So I think that's something we definitely want to include. And I say to everybody else out there, any ideas about programming, please send them to us. Uh, we appreciate your time today. Chuck Taylor, EVP, Financial Crimes Advisory. Thanks so much for spending some time. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks, John. My pleasure.